The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyse. A self-contained podcast, who knows how long, located between your ears. A place of discussion and fun for newcomers and veterans alike. A shining download online, all alone on the web. It was the dawn of the third age of podcasting, the year the Introcast Wars came upon us all. This is a story of a Babylon 5 Introcast. The year is 2014. The show, Down Below. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Anne. I'm Heidi. Elizabeth couldn't be with us today. Unfortunately, I don't think she has a good signal right now. But we are pleased to be joined by a first-time visitor to Down Below, but you've heard her you've heard her emails a lot. Say hello to Anka. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hi. 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 Thank you. Yeah, good to have you. So tell us how you came to know Babylon 5. Uh, I think I'm one of those uh, first-time viewers. I started watching the show in 96, I think. I uh, zapped around the TV and basically uh, came across the third season at that point. I went back and I watched uh, season one and uh, two, of course, and I fell in love with the, uh, with the show and since then have, I think, watched the show every year once in a while, watched the show with my uh, fiancé. He fell in love with that. So, yeah, I'm a pretty uh, old fan as well. That's cool. Very excited to be here. I'm a very, very, uh, I'm a new time, um, or yeah, newbie to podcasting, to be honest. So I kind of started to, uh, you know, listen to podcasts when I came across your podcast. And yeah, so. Oh, cool. Old newbie. Well, uh, <laughs> just wait until you have like, oh, 300 unlistened to episode, episodes of podcasts waiting for you, because that's where I'm uh, at. <laughs> oh, my <yeah>. gosh. <laughs> Yeah, for now, I can still follow along. <laughs> Today, we are here to discuss episode 14 of season two. There all the honor lies. But first, here's an ISN special report. ISN News. Scandal once again rears its ugly head aboard Babylon 5 as Captain John Sheridan is charged with murder. After an investigation by Earth Force personnel and the Membari government both concluded, it was discovered all accusations were unfounded as Lavelle, the deceased, attacked Captain John Sheridan and the captain merely defended himself. Such incidences continue to provoke a response from the government and from the general public about Babylon 5's continued relevance. And calls for closer scrutiny of the station continue to mount. In other lighter news, the recently closed Babylon Emporium has decided to auction off its remaining stock. So, if you want to get yourself or family member Pouchling or clan brother, a gift from Babylon 5, be sure to check out the auction site 
set up by the proprietors. You never know, you might get your hands on a rare Lando doll or Babylon mascot. This has been ISN News. Do you like beer? Do you like business? Do you like businesses that make beer? Then you'll love this new show. It's the Beer Trail Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Price, and we're going to travel through the world of craft beer and talk to the breweries and see how they got started and what inspired them to make their beer. So check it out at thebeertrailpodcast.com and tell your friends and hope to see you on the trail. So there all the honor lies originally aired April 26, 1995. It's been almost two months since the last episode aired. It was directed by Mike Vahar, who last directed The Geometry of Shadows. And it was written by Peter David, who wrote Soulmates. I'm guessing the name came from an Alexander Pope poem. It says, honor and shame from no condition rise. Act well your part, there all the honor lies. Sounds like a thing JMS should do. <laughs> yeah. So let's get started with the recap. I like it when they start off when they're showing like stuff going on outside the stations, people doing work or whatever. It's regular comings and goings. Um, yeah, they've got a lot more establishing shots this year, um, and it really does add life to the station. Yeah, it kind of lets you know that you know things are going on besides just the events that we're seeing. I was wondering what it was, what they were repairing there or so, but I love the shot of the station definitely. Yeah. The episode begins with Sheridan informing Ivanova that they are being merchandised. The Senate wants them to be more self-sufficient, and this money could bring in two million credits a year that could go towards their operating budget. There's, and Ivanova doesn't like this, of course, uh, but Sheridan's going to put her in charge of seeing, overseeing the gift shop that's going on in the going down in the Zocalo to make sure. The B5's not going to be demeaned. He himself has to go to the Zuckalo to meet Kosh for another one of their lessons so they can get to know each other better and tells her to look for baseball caps for his sister while he's there. Yeah, the this whole thing, especially the line from Avada, I don't know how apocryphal hypo- it is or whether there's some truth to it, but it's kind of seen at least by fans and as I said, maybe some truth to that. It's a dig at um, the Star Trek franchise. It's a story we've heard banded around, but how much truth is, I don't know. See, I have a, I can't find it, I have a note about that. Um, something like Peter, the part where he, where she says this isn't a deep space franchise. Yeah. Um, something where Peter Davis said he put it in the script and JMS approved it and he was like, yeah, you're really going to let them say that? And he's like, JMS was like, yeah, that's funny as hell. And Peter Day was like, well, y'all really do like to live dangerously over there, don't you? <laughs> well, that's the thing. You know, JMS has a sense of humor about these things. L- lawyers, on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> or fans. Yeah. or Yeah. 
I like the idea. Um, what I wondered about was, the, I'm not sure if I, uh, I've seen it in, in, in earlier episodes, but I, I saw two doors to his office and I was like, <laughs> why doesn't the office have two doors? And uh, I don't know, it seems like he's in a hallway all the time. It's like everybody's Almost. walking out different different areas. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. In that well, place. you know, when we see the window, it's looking out onto the garden area and Maybe his office is in the centre of the station, so it kind of makes sense. Wait, you have never seen an office <laughs> with two doors to a hallway outside, and I was just wondering. This time it was uh, more more obvious because people were walking out the one direction and the other direction at the same time, all the time. <laughs> so, so we see Sheridan walking through the corridor. He bumps into a guy and. A little later realizes that his link is gone, so he runs after him and he comes across a Minbari who we find out later's name is what was it Lebel? Lebel? Uh so they fight and this gun appears on the ground out of nowhere and since the Minbari won't surrender, uh Sheridan has to shoot him. Not before he says death first, then Sheridan shoots him and a witness who is another Minbari runs off. And this obviously isn't a setup at all. No, no, not at all. So, after the credit, Sheridan's explaining what happened to Garibaldi and Delin. They didn't find any gun. Wait. Oh, no gun was found on the victim, the guy who got shot. But Sheridan, you know, couldn't wait to find out if there really was a gun. Level came from a well respected family. Delenn doesn't want this to lead to a conflict between their people. So Garibaldi's going to investigate and Delenn's going to have her own people investigate before they decide whether or not they should um, charge Sheridan. And Sheridan wants the witness to be found. Mm. So Delenn was so, I don't know, different in this scene than she has been. Like, she was very abrupt and just acted like she... Like, didn't have any relationship with the humans at all. And so I came to a conclusion that she is angry at all of the time that Sheridan is spending with Kosh. (laughs) (laughs) Nice explanation. I kind of saw it more of her just really angry at her government for putting her in this position, angry at Sheridan for making the stupid mistake, and just wants it all to go away. Well, that's probably more accurate, but I like mine better, Ian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yours has the ring of great fan fiction about it. <laughs> I guess that's just her official behavior when she gets, uh, you know, instructions from her government, and she needs to rely those uh, to the to the staff there. I think it's just that she wants to be more official instead of mm. showing her feelings. And, of course, not too long ago, she'd actually have a say in what the government does about this. Not anymore. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. So next in Londo's quarters, Londo gets a call, which Beer answers, and the guy has a message. After that, we see Garibaldi questioning Minbari, who is a little antagonistic. And Lanier shows up. He wants to speak to Minbari alone. Yeah, this part... Big part players milking his role for all it's worth. <laughs> yeah. This guy's name is Ashen. He's played by Sean Gregory Sullivan. He was Phil in Wayne's World. I think he was the guy that worked at the auto shop. 
I don't think it was Ashen that actually was in that little scene. I think it was another oh, Bavari. Oh, that was someone else. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think because he's got this scar on one of his cheeks, which Ashen doesn't have. So, it, I mean, it's difficult to tell sometimes with Membari, but I think it, they're two separate Membari. Don't say that to their faces, Ian. I know, I know. <laughs> He's got a bone on his head. Well, sometimes it's <laughs> easier to tell because of the design of the bone. Like, Lanier's, he's very distinctive. Right. I found he was just as, as, as aggressive and as arrogant as the other guy was. <laughs> so it could have been that. Yeah, 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 yeah right. this, this one's really aggressive, really. Doesn't really care about what's going on at all. Yeah, I like that he didn't want to answer. And that, that was potentially the truth like either he says a truth or not at all uh that was kind of okay isn't that lying if you don't say anything as well yeah yeah well this is the thing with the own bari right. they're really pernickety when it comes to lying <laughs> exactly <laughs> garibaldi doesn't like how Lanier's always around when he's questioning someone he likes Lanier and doesn't want to think that Lanier is up to something uh, they haven't found Sheridan's link yet, so they think it's probably been destroyed. And Garibaldi thinks that maybe he stole it because he wanted Sheridan to chase him. Um, Sheridan likes Garibaldi's suspicious mind. So they get to Med Bay. Franklin says that the wounds are consistent with a PPG shot. Um, there's no evidence really to dis- to prove or disprove Sheridan's story. Garibaldi thinks it's a setup. I was wondering why they talked about the bruising at the victim, basically the dead one, and not about Sheridan that didn't ever care about that. Like, I mean, he hit him in the <laughs> in the stomach with his knee, so uh, he should have had some bruises himself. I don't know. Yeah, uh, unless he's already been examined. Well, maybe, yeah. Uh, but that would help his case a little bit, at least. Yeah. It really would. Um, yeah, in the Zocalo, where their grand opening of the Emporium is taking place, Veer bumps into Talia. For her one cameo in this episode. Yeah, just brief appearance. And... Yeah, and I thought I thought something would come from it, but... Yeah, I did too. She was looking... She looked pretty in this scene, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> she looked different. Oh. Elizabeth sent us a message. Yeah, I wasn't too sure about the the scene with Talia. I didn't know why it was there at all. Like, and they had to pay her <laughs> to be there. <laughs> Mine was just a contractual thing that she's got to appear in so many episodes, and you know, they she just had to appear in this one, so they actually fulfill their contract. <laughs> Here you go, we spill some wine on you. <laughs> Lanier tells Delin that he's sure he's found the witness who they are speaking to in this scene. He's in Lanier's clan. He won't talk to um, Delin because she's a freak and she storms off. And when she leaves, Lanier's pissed that he insulted her, but he will answer Lanier's question if he's ready to hear them. Mm-hmm. It's good that they're continuing to reference, you know, that other Membari don't like what um, Delena's gone through and how she looks nowadays. 
because yeah, they just could have left that alone after she appeared in front of the um, Grey Council. After this, Lanier's telling them that Ashan claims that Sheridan assaulted the victim without provocation, that he offered to surrender and Sheridan shot him. Uh, Sheridan says that Ashan is lying, which is a major insult to him and Bari, so then Sheridan says he's in error. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. (laughs) Hang on. Actually, lying shouldn't be a great insult. It should be... Oh, so you're saying we're being extremely honourable. You're saying we're we're protecting someone's honour. Oh, that's extremely kind of you. (laughs) (laughs) Because if that's the only time they lie, then it should be extremely honourable to accuse someone of lying. (laughs) Yeah, true. Sheridan wants to speak to the witness, and Garibaldi doesn't think this is a good idea, but Sheridan's going to do it anyway. I like how Lanier says, roughly translates to... (laughs) It's like, yeah. roughly? <laughs> I surrender. Shouldn't it, uh, you know, be more clear <laughs> what he said? Uh, back at the B5 Emporium, Ivana was taking a look around at the goods. There's a, <laughs> like there's a 20% discount to station personnel. <laughs> she wonders what Ersen won't do to make money or what all they will do to make money. And then she goes off. Great bit of uh, set design. They just did so well in this emporium. I want to go yeah. shopping there. Yeah. <laughs> Those masks are kind of freaky, oh though. My God. <laughs> like, You're like, okay, who is under there? Like, everybody I was looking at. Okay, is that a mask? Is that real? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They played up their real special effects with, you know, these fake masks. Lovely sight gag. And again, Ivanova's got the comedy storyline. <laughs> right again. Yeah. She yeah, just does it so well. She really does. Well, I'm not sure if I heard it correctly, but um, I think I heard in the like the, the commenter saying that the figurines in pair vanilla <laughs> were 25% off, and I was looking <laughs> if I could find some, but they, they didn't show them, <laughs> apparently. Uh, JMS said that as far as he knows, none of this merchandise was real. Uh, they made it for the show. But since everybody is so starved for B5 merchandise after the episode, they sold it off to anybody who wanted it at no cost. So he says two guesses to who wound up with the Lundo and Jakar dolls. <laughs> of course. Awesome. Um, but, you know, Inworld... This store's only been open for a day, so that merchandise is going to go up in price pretty quickly. You'll be able to make quite a dime off of that. Yeah. So, speaking of merchandise, is there Babylon 5 merchandise now? I've never shot. I think there is some. I've never actually tried. I've never thought to buy any. I'm, I know I've seen Legos. I don't know cool. if those are official. I think they're figures and dolls out there. Some people buy them. <laughs> yeah. I've never bought anything, but I think they, you know, there are t-shirts and stuff like that. And I think there are some fan-made uh, t-shirts as well now. Uh-huh. Probably. Yeah. Like with yeah, things there, like and stuff. Yeah, there's fan-made stuff out there, definitely. Um, I'm just now imagining a um, Kosh uh, plushie, which has a couple <laughs> of obscure um comments in it not obscure what what's the right word <laughs> a talking doll <laughs> yeah 
couple of enigmatic comments that mean nothing to anyone. Right. <laughs> That'd be perfect. I like to see uh, what do you call those pop cap things with Babylon 5 characters. A what? Uh, what are they called? Pop cap? The toy, the toys that are really popular now. I've got the name wrong. I don't probably. know. Um, because I have one of Jon Snow. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, oh those the, small ones. Yeah. The, yeah, the vinyl. Um, they are pop. Pop. Oh uh, yeah. Pop vinyl, maybe. Yeah, pop vinyl. I think is right thing. Yeah. Yeah, those would, would be, be really great. good. Yeah. The one supposed to be cats, right? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, with the yeah. Big heads, just, yeah. Just think of a Londo one. That would be really be awesome. <laughs> So, after that, so after that, a lady arrives and demands that Zack take her to Sheridan. More on this lady in a minute. Still, um, yeah, we see more on the lawyer later, but we get a bit more um, Zack in this episode than we've had in a little while. You're starting to get to know this guy now. Yeah. Yeah, he seems to be responsible for everything now. <laughs> <laughs> greeting people <laughs> yeah and he's always getting the <laughs> jobs as well it seems right <laughs> his job description looking for it. scanning and yeah his job description gets bigger and bigger every week the next Sheridan is questioning Ashan who is antagonistic and the lady from earlier Guinevere Corey arrives she's Sheridan's lawyer Guinevere Corey is played by Julie Caitlin Brown. We've seen her before. In season one, she played Natoth. Yay! What? <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. When you know that, you can actually tell in her performance, though. There's a oh. couple of mannerisms that are similar. That's just weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess you can also tell by her nose and her cheekbones and so... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure I would have. You would have known. <laughs> I'm not sure I would have known if you know, just if I hadn't. Yeah. Me neither. I just you know when I when I looked at her more often, I thought, mm, yeah. Could. And hindsight. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. Cause kind of the way she talks. Yeah, and it's kind of playing sort of a similar character, I guess. Oh, maybe. I mean, it's a similar attitude. Uh, I'd say she's more um, that stereotype lawyer that the writer probably had a bad experience once with because um, she's very patronising to Sheridan and she knows what's right all the time. It seems, yeah, as I said, a bit too stereotypical for my liking. I like her performance. I'm not too keen on, you know, her role. Hey. Well, she's out of the makeup. That was one of the reasons she didn't want to play Natath anymore. So this meeting's over. Lanier says this doesn't look good for Sheridan. Lynn doesn't think Sheridan could have done it. It's not in his character. To go back to Sheridan and Guinevere, and she's not very she's not very nice. She was sent there by Earth, who's going to go ahead with the indictment against him. They want to let both sides be heard, and then they'll just accept the judgment. She doesn't think they have enough evidence to convict him beyond a reasonable doubt, but no matter what the outcome, he'll probably have to step down as commander of B-5. Okay, now I kind of come up with a little theory here that this is a perfect opportunity for the government to get rid of 
Sheridan, who's not exactly who they thought he would be. Yeah. You think they yeah. already know? Not n- know what he's up to, but going by some of his more recent actions and decisions, not exactly the person they thought he would be, so they're thinking, right, here's an opportunity to get rid of him completely legally. Let's do that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, is that, you know, he's not doing exactly what they say, and so here's an opportunity to get him out, which is kind of what uh, Elizabeth and I had been wondering basically from the beginning of this season or as soon as we figured out, you know, that he wasn't the choice of the new president is, you know, why don't they get rid of him? Um, Of course, this would be a brilliant way to do it because it's not a PR nightmare at all. They're just doing what would be expected of them. Um, Whereas, you know, any other circumstances might cause a few problems here and there. Probably because he didn't pay the 30 credits per week. (laughs) 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 Let's get rid of them. (laughs) Next, Sheridan's talking to Ivana, but he wonders if he might really have done it. Uh, What Ashen says, she says she wouldn't lose respect for him. I like that she answered the the question that he actually asked, but not really, you know, didn't want to hear the answer to him, that she answered it first. I love that. When Ivana Valise Kosh shows up for his lesson, Sheridan doesn't want to because he had a bad day, but Kosh insists. He says it's, it's precisely the right time to do it. Come on now, don't pout. It's time to go on the trip. <laughs> it, he really is that um, parent trying to, scold, you know, coddle the uh, kid into doing what's good for him. Yeah. And again, you'll notice... Kosh never goes through any of the doors. <laughs> There's always a convenient cutaway to someone else and then back and he's miraculously through the doors already. And it stayed open behind him. <laughs> it was just uh, strange because they're always close. Yeah, it happens again in the lift later right. on. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, we see Zack go to see Garibaldi, and Garibaldi wants him to follow Ashen. And then we're back to Kosh and Sheridan. He takes Sheridan to the worst part of Down Below to show him a moment of perfect beauty. So I think about this. Yeah, I thought it was a really cool scene. But... Yeah, it kind of reminded me of something from the Dark Crystals, you know, the Mystics maybe from the Dark Crystal. It, I haven't seen that. It reminded me of Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what you were expecting when they said training? No. But then I don't know that I was really expecting anything. I definitely wasn't expecting, you know, like fighting or anything like that. So I guess it makes sense. It's like mind walking or something. I kind of liked the scene. Um, kind of made his mood better afterwards, of course. One thing, but definitely, yeah. But one thing I wrote down, wrote down is uh, he actually said credit shit <laughs> all the time. When, when I watched the episode, he doesn't say credit ship, he says credit shit. <laughs> so. Yeah, shit is actually something, though. It's, I think they're kind of more like disposable chips, in, you know, rather than a credit card which you keep on you. A credit oh, chip is something okay. that has a certain amount of um, money or credits on it, 
and then you either go through all of it and then throw the thing away, or you hand it over and then someone else can use it in that fashion. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I thought this was just... Yeah, it's, it's, it's like a preloaded um, credit card almost with a certain amount of money on it, and you can't use it once that money's run out. So it's a Starbucks card of the space. I think that's what chips are, yeah. It's hard as hell if, <laughs> if it's shit or shit, so I'm not going to even try. <laughs> yeah, he came across this hooded guy and had to give him a stat bar, and then he gets to hear a chant, which is says it was a Gregorian chant, part of the Christmas mass. Yeah, I like the little part where you see Kosh standing outside waiting. Was he moving his head back and forth, or was that just... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've written down, does he dance? Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, they, they said that in the scene in the dark, none of it was enhanced with CGI. And they said it keeps the Sheridan learning stuff thread going because it's balanced to the, a balance to the rest of the episode because he's going crazy, he's being harassed, his command is on the line, so he has to learn to bend his knee, accept silence, and give up his command symbolically to find one perfect moment of peace. Mm. And although they didn't use CGI, they brilliantly used lighting, and they must have had the um, monks or um, these piles of cloth on a um, some sort of tray or something that they moved around somehow, but it's done really well. Maybe it was people underneath and they were moving. It looked like um, hats that were basically that popped up in this pile of clothes. Next, Veer is getting drunk in a bar when Lundo arrives. He's getting... Veer is getting called back home because the government's decided that his job is too important, so they're going to send someone who's been groomed for this role. I think it's around this point where in the background there's somebody who might be a ranger walking by. Um... So Londo says he'll tell them that he wants Veer to stay, and Veer says he doesn't know what he wants. And when Veer leaves, Londo follows, and he soon forgets about Veer when he sees a group of ladies sitting over at a table, and he sees that they're laughing at a Londo doll and snatches it away. Before I saw the doll and, like, what was going on, I was like, Londo, seriously, like, like there's something <laughs> going on here. You need to, you know, continue in this thought process and not stop and get distracted by the ladies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But all the stuff that Veer said, that was really sad, though. You know, he's been unwanted. He's just sent places because they want to get rid of him. Yeah. Definitely a good episode to get to know uh, Veer more. Yeah. And also to, um, I don't know... Hear more about how he got the job and that the job was not important at that point. Yeah, and like definitely that. show the uh, friendship between Veer and Londo. Right. I love the camera angle at the end when, when basically when Londo took the doll <laughs> and he looked at it so close up <laughs> to his face. <laughs> mm. Was that to show the the similarities between them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you know those women were opening the shirt and laughing. That was, you know, <laughs> what wasn't yeah. there, and kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so Sheridan thanks Kosh for showing him what he saw, and when Kosh leaves, Ivanova comes along, 
asks him about the lesson, and Sheridan gives a very Borlon-like answer. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what's happening now to him. He's becoming he's a turning warlock. into one. <laughs> <laughs> he has the soul of a Mimbari, and he's going to turn into a Borlon. And <laughs> <laughs> so after this, Delin speaking to Lanier. Uh, she's gotten some information while she was arranging to have Lavelle body prepared. She shows it to him. Next, we're back with Sheridan and Ivana, but they're walking through the corridors and talking business with Londo pops out wanting to talk about the doll. And again, such a great close-up. It's done... It worked so well because Londo's so serious about it. Uh Yeah. Next, as Shan is speaking to... Oh, he's... Sneaking somewhere, looking for something, and Zack is following him, but Lanier sneaks up behind Zack and knocks him out. <laughs> uh, a, yeah, boink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he kicks that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And after this, we uh, Lanier sees Ashan talking to the guy that stole Sheridan's link earlier, and Lanier had... Lanier says that he lied to give Ashen time to end this, but he didn't end it. He wants Ashan to tell the truth before he shames their clan, and Ashan runs. Completely subverting your expectations that there'd be this fight between Ashan and Lanier. No, Ashan's a coward and he runs away. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that fighting technique before? Like this, uh, I don't know, this kind of hand <laughs> <laughs> that looked a little funny to me. Yeah, yeah, something you must have learned in temple. And they're both religious, aren't they? Shouldn't they be yeah. not fighting? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think there's some, you know, I think Membari have a different definition of, you know, religious maybe. But then again, you know, we've got fighting monks on Earth, so why shouldn't um, re- religious caste learn to fight? Right. Solando is talking to Sheridan, telling him that the Centauri government won't tolerate such a thing. The doll doesn't even have any attributes. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they sort it out after a great line from Ivanova. Um, so Sheridan tells Ivanova to have all the dolls removed at once. And Sheridan says something about the Minbari not lying, and Lando tells him that. Membari will lie to protect the honor of another. We saw that in a, the quality of mercy. And Sheridan wonders who or what is being protected. And he gets a call from the Membari rep on Earth. I like Londo in the scene. He kind of figured it out. <laughs> Help them. Yeah. Sheridan goes to see Delin in the garden. The Mim- Turns out the Membari won't Ashan sent back to the Membari homeworlds and if this happens, it'll leave doubts about what happened and destroy Sheridan's credibility, which might be what some people wanted in the first place. He tells Delin he knows what it's like to be alone, and she explains how she's cut off from her own people. And they talk about a little how the Membari can lie, and Delin tells him to come with her. Yeah, uh, this scene, I see the whole jealousy thing that, you know, they She's angry at him at the moment. But they're getting closer. They're definitely getting closer because 
they're sharing stories now and actually things that Delenn wouldn't have told another person up until now, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she's, like she said, so alone. Victor just posted on Facebook, you can actually buy a Londo action figure, i.e. doll, for about $10 from Amazon or maybe even cheaper on eBay. Oh, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it has all the attributes. <laughs> <laughs> now that's just disturbing. <laughs> So as Shan shows up for his party instruction, he's talking to Lanier. Lanier says that after Ashan is gone, he's going to admit his guilt in the thing because he shares in the complicity of the acts of his clan. Ashan says that this, if he does that, their clan will be disgraced. And this is where he admits that it was the leaders of their clan who decided to act because they resent that Sheridan, Sheridan Starkiller was chosen to run Babylon 5 and he explains that he was speaking to the guy that stole Sheridan's link because he tried to find out what happened. Lavelle had actually paid that dude to set Sheridan up and then at this point a bunch of people come out. I think it's Garibaldi and Dylan and Zach and some others. Well, they recorded. Yeah, although in this uh, scene before they come out we actually get some of, or did we get it earlier in the um, episode but we get the story of how um, Sheridan, you know, defeated Yeah, I have a note to come back to that. Yeah, it was this scene. He um, sent out a fake distress call. Uh, and then yeah, the... mined an asteroid field. Yeah. But didn't he talk about that earlier once to Ivanova or so? I think... Briefly, I think. Briefly, but yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, I think you get more of it in this scene. Yeah. And now you hear it from the Manbari side. <laughs> being not, I don't know, not uh, honourable. Yeah, but you also heard from Sheridan's side early in the series that he didn't have any other choice. Right. They would have killed him anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love the, I just want to say I love the acting by uh, by Lonia or by Bumumi. Basically, it was just great. Yeah, Gives him more character. Be- Definitely in this scene, uh, all throughout the episode, but especially in this one. I love he's... that he was undercover. <laughs> <laughs> he's like ninja spy Lanier. Essentially, yeah. And and all those people just kind of show, <laughs> just kind of come and came out of the shadows. Well, hiding his... in Delane's bedroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> essentially. And. Um... Uh, you do, Lanier's really good in this because all throughout you see his respect for Delenn and you know, all, a lot of this, a lot of his actions seem to come down to his respect for Delenn and figuring out the truth. But uh, until that scene, basically, I was thinking the whole time I was thinking that Ashan was part of that uh, of that deal, of that thing, that he basically not showed up accidentally, but was there to basically be the witness. Um, but now that basically that scene explains that he was, yeah, he was not part of that whole thing. Or Well, maybe he was meant to be there, but he wasn't privy to the whole story. All right, yeah, that could be, yeah. Yeah, his clan just said, be here at this place and time to witness something, but they don't tell them what. Because him being the witness was kind of crucial, wasn't it? I mean, otherwise... Exactly, yeah. 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 And apparently 
the leaders of the clan were the ones who came up with the plan, so... Uh, he, <laughs> yeah, he would have been instructed to do it. It's AMSA, uh, yes, Sheridan did send a fake distress call and took out the Black Star when it came in to wipe out what they thought was a disabled ship. He never denied this to anybody. All right. So, so yeah, so they recorded Ashan's confession, but Sheridan's not going to take it public because it would disgrace the clan. So he'll turn over the info if Ashan will admit to what he saw, but without all the background information. Yeah, I like that idea of him, like, to not go public with that. Yeah. And then basically that helped his relationship with Glenn a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all these little things making sure that the two of them gain more respect for each other and get that little bit closer. Next we see that Veer has a hangover and his replacement has arrived, but Londo is told Homeworld that if Veer's leaving, then he's going too. Turns out he's giving Veer a glowing report and he wants Veer to stay. He says he's going to treat Veer better because he doesn't want to have to leave a wonderful place like Babylon 5. Veer thanks him, but before he leaves, Londo says that he's invited Veer's entire family to stay with him for a month. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> We don't like a boss to do something. I mean, you know, I'll get on with family, but... Oh, your, your boss just tells you, oh, I've invited your family to stay with you for all the next month. <laughs> <laughs> Even if you get on with your family, not something you want to hear from your boss. No. <laughs> like, maybe a week at the most, but... <laughs> That's a long way to travel. travel. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you see, we go straight for the drink again. <laughs> <laughs> it's also great how Londo enjoys that whole scene so much. <laughs> Giving him a headache yeah. more. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't let Veer uh, know just how much he likes him, really. Despite right. going through all of this, he, he's still got to put on a charade for him. Well, he kind of tells him, but he's like a hard guy. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. He's kind of got this reputation. And it, it's this scene especially, but it's all of London's reactions in this episode. He's been doing some really nasty stuff, and then he goes and does something like this, which makes you love him again. Yes, it, it's very back and forth with Londo. Next, Sheridan runs into Ivanova. Sheridan thinks the store might work out after all. And this is when Ivanova shows him a bear who's supposed to be John Sheridan. And Sheridan immediately wants the store shut down and everything off the station, but he keeps the bear. More on this bear in a minute. There's a story behind this bear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we see outside the station, Keffer is looking for an unidentified object, and the John Sheridan bear hits Keffer's star fury, but Keffer pretends not to see it. Best Capitine <laughs> in the series, really is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's a lovely little throwaway moment. Yeah, it was fun. I, I, didn't, I didn't have any problem with Kepper in this scene. So the bear was actually given to JMS by Peter David's wife, the writer of this episode. Peter David and JMS have you know, been friends for a long time. So JMS doesn't like cute. He says, never send me anything cute. So... 
that's why I guess he had the bear disposed of in that way. So then later on when Peter David had his show Space Cases, one of the characters on that show actually finds the bear. And one of the characters says, what kind of a dope would toss a perfectly good earth bear into space? Or something like that. And then later on, we find out that the bear was left by an evil race called the Strazin. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's a very important bear. So now JMS says he's going to get back at him for that. I don't know if he ever did or not. You know, (laughs) he's been making this series from Netflix. Maybe the bear will make an appearance in that. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe so. I was I know we mentioned space cases when we did Peter David's last episode, but I looked it up this time. It was created by Peter David and Bill Mooney, our own veneer, and they both appeared on the show at some point. It had two seasons on Nickelodeon from ninety six to ninety seven. One of the stars was the guy that played the Black Ranger on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and another star was a very young Jewel State. Who played the ship's engineer? Imagine that. <laughs> she hasn't been typecast, has she? <laughs> well, She's to so be fair, adorable. when she was on Atlantis, she was a doctor, so. <laughs> <laughs> She's so adorable with her purple hair, her rainbow hair, sorry. I posted a picture in the um, Skype chat. And... You'll have to put it in the album artwork when you paste the yeah. episode. See, who are some of the other guest stars? They had George Takei, Mark Hamill, Robin Leach. Oh, wow. That's pretty good. Well, I, I kind of thought that he would keep the bear. Because <laughs> he liked the bear. <laughs> yeah, I did too. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But now, now he tossed went, it out. Exactly. Now he went about, didn't buy him a baseball cap of the bear. <laughs> <laughs> he had another Bill Blair appearance as an uncredited alien. Let's see. That's, but I think that's actually an item that can be bought somewhere, like the Babylon 5 bear. The ba- Babylon 5 bear. I think uh, that's something that is a merchandise, a real merchandise now. I have to look it up. Maybe I'll find it. <laughs> well, they missed the opportunity if it's not. Right, exactly. Lando Malari. That's hmm. a Garibaldi action figure. Sure. Man. Oh, maybe you shouldn't search Amazon for Babylon 5 yeah, stuff. That might be that. dangerous. <laughs> I won't do that. <laughs> I'll let you guys post the links and then I can look at them. Okay. <laughs> All right. Are we ready for quotes of the week? Sure. Ready? Yeah. Um, so you want to start us out, Anka? Sure. Um, I think my quote of the week would be the, the last one by Londo when he says, I can see the synapses starting to fire behind your eyes. Frightening sight, <laughs> if I might add. <laughs> I have a veer one. I don't think I've ever done a veer quote before. It says, what you wish, what they wish. I don't even know what I wish. I mean, back home, I'm swallowed in silence. And here I'm swallowed up by secrets. I'm caught between fire and flood. And if there's a way out, I sure don't see it. That's a very good one. I'll go for the Ivanova one. The great line of the episode. I see. So you feel like you're being symbolic cast in a bad light (laughs) (laughs) well put (laughs) Um, I will take uh, Ivanova and Sheridan quote Um, another lesson Uh uh-huh what was this one about 
Uh, beauty in the dark. Well, they must be working. You're beginning to sound just like a Voron. Yeah. I have another, I have a Gary Baldi one, and he says, even in a vacuum, this smells like a setup. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Any others? I mean, there's mm. C. Go ahead. Sorry. One more. Um, Ivanova, welcome to Babylon 5, the last best the last best hope for a quick buck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the obvious one was mentioned before when uh, when Garibaldi and Sheridan speak and they say, uh, Garibaldi asks him description and Sheridan bald with a bone on his head. <laughs> <laughs> Very good description. <laughs> okay, let's do our characters of the week. Who's our human of the week? I go for Sheridan. Yeah, it was... His episode yet again. Yeah, I think so. Maybe Guinevere <laughs> or Guinevere. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> when I heard it's the tough. name, I was <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I go for Sheridan. There's <laughs> <laughs> Lancelot. All oh, right. <laughs> Galahad. <laughs> oh, I can't spell. Okay, who is our alien of the week? Vir Olinir, I think. Yeah, those are my two. Top choice. I don't can couldn't decide which uh, no. one. I'm gonna vote beer. I'm happy with that. I like it too. All right, beer. This may be his first one. That's kind of why I was uh, leaning more towards him. <laughs> <laughs> I felt really he, bad he, for he him. He deserves one, really, doesn't he? Yeah. Because usually when he's in an episode, like Londo takes the spotlight and usually takes it. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's rate this sucker. I want to start us out. <laughs> I I kind of liked it a lot. Um, I liked the the side story with Ver and Londo, and uh, as Heidi said, uh, it's great that Ver had the spotlight this time. Um, and actually, um, I don't know, um, was quite put uh, quite well into the whole main story, like with Londo getting the doll and then walking up to Sheridan and actually figuring the whole thing was a lie and Minbari's not lying out. I really like that. Uh, my my fiancé said Londo was a hero in this whole episode because <laughs> he was basically making uh, much more sense in, into the whole, uh, bringing much more sense into this thing. I like the story about Sheridan, um, although I knew, I mean, of course he couldn't, you know, he couldn't step down in the um, as a commander in, in the middle of the season, I'm not sure. Of course, that would never happen, but um, I like, you know, like the, the, the murder story and him being in this whole situation now. Um, so I, I, I give it um, definitely 8.5 out of 10. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> well, out of 10, uh, well, Alexander Pope poems, maybe. <laughs> oh, nice. Who's calling me? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the alumni associations. Only people who call me from Starkville these days. Okay. What do you think, Heidi? <laughs> um, I like this one pretty well. The the thing with the Minbari and Sheridan kind of took too long for me. Um, I didn't feel like we were moving along very quickly and uh and it just seemed like a back of back and forth with not a whole lot of new information happening at some point. So that brought it down a little bit, but I really liked the whole merchandising thing and the story with fear and Londo and the new information that we did get on the Mimbari. So I'm going to go a 7.5 out of 10 
Londo dolls without the attributes. <laughs> How about you, Ian? This was a good episode, but I kind of feel we've had a lot stronger already. I I seem to be seeing a pattern this time through in season two that you'll get episodes like this occasionally where you've had really arc-heavy episodes or important episodes, and then you get this one off just to give you a break, give you a breather. You get a good storyline, but not brilliant. And you get a nice bit of comedy from two great parts. You know, Beer is brilliant in this. And, yeah, the merchandising thing is always a nice little bit of fun. So, in the end, I'm going to have to go for... And I'm being really pernickety here, but 6.75 Kosh plushies out of 10. Well, yeah, I like the episode. The The main story, well, the Sheridan story was... the Well, the Sheridan Minbari story was the one that did the least for me. I didn't care for it too much, but I think the rest of it made up for the beer storyline, the Sheridan Kosh scene, and the Vanova merchandising storyline. I really enjoyed those. So I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 floating teddy bears. So that's a 7.69 so far. All right. Not bad. So are we following the teddy bear down to feedback land? Exactly. So this is like the first time I actually tried to come up with something ahead of time instead of at the last minute and actually did write down, just take the floating teddy bear to feedback. <laughs> <laughs> our first piece of feedback is a comment on our website from Board99. I'll take that one. Board says, hey, there's Keffer. He doesn't actually do anything, but at least he's on screen. In my own rewatch... Let me make this a little bigger. In my own rewatch of Babylon 5, I had a mad impulse and decided to read the novels alongside the series. I'm a bit behind on the novels because the early ones have tended not to be my, not to be to my taste, although I'm informed that the later ones are better. But one thing that was a little interesting about the first new novels, first few novels, is that although set in season two, it's very obvious that the writers based their idea of the series on season one, and use stories from season one as their points of departure for their own plots. The command staff may be cheered to know that there's at least one point where Sheridan is called Sinclair and it was never caught in editing. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. brilliant. That's hilarious. That's what they get for naming the characters so close. <laughs> and of course, Mostly, hang on a second, uh, I just realized, Ivanov could have said, when Sheridan said JS, she could have said... Jeffrey Sinclair. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when I watched the episode, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Mostly, JMS's closer involvement with the actual show means that season two episodes by other writers still feel like season two. But there all the honor lies. This may be a bit of an exception. It feels at least like a little, feels at least a little like a season one episode. We have the commander accused of murder. We have the Earthman Bari War as a critical background. We have the plot turn on the quirks of Minbari culture. And we have hedonistic comic relief Centauri. 
More than that, the resolution is based on referring back to a season one episode. But congratulations to Peter David for deciding that the thing to do with the wacky Lanier and Londo hijinks, Centauri appendage and all from the quality of mercy was to make it a key to a murder mystery. Thanks for it. Cheers. That's one thing I was thinking. It was weird how all it took was that JS doll to make Sheridan want to get rid of it all, even though it could have brought in all that money and helped them out. He's had a bad their day, budget. to be honest, hasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> but Kosh, what would Kosh say if he, when he, when he finds out about that? What would he say? Well, to be fair, Dick. <laughs> well, to be fair, it didn't have all the attributes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Is another... I think the Kosh doll should be like a Transformer. <laughs> <laughs> but into what? <laughs> exactly. No one knows. <laughs> See, board spells honor with a U, so that gives me an idea of where he might be. Hmm. I don't know anything about Vords. Just that he sends his good emails. Oh, Vords of Volon. <laughs> Uh, next piece of feedback is an email from Victor. Who wants to take that I'll one? I'll take that one. This episode had a few good side plots, but the main story was more like a procedural detective show, which really didn't appeal to me. So we got to see the merchandising of Babylon 5. Sheridan thinks it's a way to make money, but Ivanova is outraged. We're not some deep space franchise. Is it me, or is that a thinly veiled slap at DS9? But the merchandising hits too close to home when Londo sees a group of Centauri women playing with a Londo doll. The final straw is when Ivanova cleverly maneuvers Sheridan into shutting down the entire operation by giving him a JS teddy bear. When this program first aired, corporations were starting to buy the naming rights for sports arenas, and we had to live with abominations like Candlestick Park being called Three Com Park. At least Babylon 5 put a halt to it. Well played, Susan. We continue to see a kinder, gentler Londo as he behaves less like a scheming warmonger and more like a friend when Veer really needs one. Veer is a joy to watch, whether he is spilling a drink on Talia and then pawing her with his fat sausage fingers or spilling his heart out to Londo. He spent most of the episode drunk and the rest of it hungover. Now we know why he works for an impossible boss like Londo. Things would be even worse for him on the home world where he is regarded as a joke, even by his own family. Fear deserves much better. I don't know what to make of the male bonding between Sheridan and Kosh. For that matter, I don't pretend to understand Kosh or his notion of beauty. He's starting to sound like he's channeling Yoda. In the end, not much happened to advance the story, at least that I could understand, so I will rate this one seven cute little teddy bears out of ten. Regards, Victor. Thanks, Victor. When I first watched this episode, I was wondering if it maybe came out of a Maybe a merchandising meeting that JMS had with Warner Brothers where they were pushing all this <laughs> stuff on him, but sounds like they weren't really, they didn't really have a lot of B5 merchandise back then. No, sounds like they weren't really interested. Maybe this was his attempt to try and get them to do merchandising. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a rumor that they said that basically uh, they, they pushed that on him and they said, if you sell more merchandise, then Babylon 5 would take off more and so, and then he kind of put it into the story, but I'm not sure how true that is. Just heard a rumor there. Blow this up a little bit. Okay, our next email is from Jan. Who wants to take that one? Yeah, I can take that. Jan begins, Hello, hello, lurkers in down below. Here's a bit of feedback for season two, episode... No, it's not episode one, 
but it's <laughs> still there all the honor nights. Oh, typo there. How many honors are we talking about? Sheridan, Lanier, Ashen, Londo, Veer? It adds up, doesn't it? Babylon 5 merchandising. I love Ivanova's face when the gift shop comes up in conversation. Veer being called home and Londo won't have any of it. The Membari never lie, except when they do. Hmm. Did he notice Sheridan's attorney? She's played by Julie Caitlin Brown, who played the original Natoth. I think we did. In the middle of all of this, Koss teaches Sheridan a lesson in beauty. In the dark. I love Sheridan's solution, saving the honour of the Membari and Lanier. By the way, did any of you catch the irony in the title? They're all honour lies. Question mark? I'm not sure mm, about, that. about that. And finally, there's the story of the bear, which I think we've gone into, but there's a real-life story behind this, which I'll tell in short. The writer of this episode, Peter David, and JMS are good friends. Peter David once sent a bear as a gift. JMS stated that he's not into cute, but he would keep it and come back. There was a wait till this episode. JMS added the scene with a spaced bear. Some time later, Peter David wrote an episode of another series where a teddy bear was found floating in space. The question came up, who would space a cute thing like this? And the answer came up, the savage race called the Strazin. They are actually really good friends and were planning to make a running gag, but it stopped when fans made up the story to be a rivalry between the two. The full story can be found on Peter David's website. He's put a URL in the um, feedback, which perhaps we can actually paste into Facebook or up on the site. Um, and now for the favourites. Human, he'll have to go with Sheridan this time. Alien, Lanier. On to his quotes. Many good quotes. Here are a few. Ivanra, welcome to Babylon 5. Our last help, best hope for a quick buck. We are not some deep space franchise. This station is about something. Garibaldi and Sheridan. Description, bald with a bone in his head. We're going to need a really big lineup room. Garibaldi to Sheridan. Well, even in a vacuum, this uh, smells like a setup. And I don't like it. There, we're on the side of truth. Is there another? And Ivanovar in the shade Kosh in the elevator. Oh, it was Sheridan about Kosh in the elevator. Another lesson. Yeah, why is it this time? Beauty in the dark. It must be working then. You're beginning to talk like a Vorlon. And his rating for an episode not written by JMS. I really like this one. A good balance between dark and lighter moments. So give this episode out 8 out of 10 teddy bears floating in space. And that's all, folks. Watch out for the shadows. They move when you're not looking. Jan, the Babylon lurker. Thanks, Jan. Thanks, Cheers, Jan. Jan. Our final piece of feedback is a voicemail. Yeah, how much I love voicemail. It's our first one, isn't it? Uh, we had a few um, early on. Um, but we've not had some in ages, have we? Uh-huh. Right. This is from Lori and Carl. Let me see if I can play it. 
Hello, ambassadors, commanders, and visitor to the station. Doing something different this week, trying a voicemail. Um, Carl's not joining me, but he uh, sending his feedback as well. Uh, so for the first storyline, the merchandising. Once again, poor Ivanova gets stuck with all the impossible jobs, as Carl said. And question to you all. What would you buy from the store? One of the masks from different races, one of the dolls. What did y'all think of the Londo doll? Um, Carl says that he would buy a Kosh toy if there was one. I couldn't see if there was one. If you all could uh, let me know if there was, that would be great. And Carl would also buy the teddy bear. He thought it was really cute. Um, I would buy, I think, the model of the station. So for the main A story, the um, setup of Sheridan um, for the murder, um, it seemed like it was pretty obvious right from the moment it happened it was a setup, but I think it was an interesting story in that it was such a perfect setup since the witness was there and Minbari can't lie, so the trick was figuring out how he could lie about it, even though he was Minbari. And I guess you all will talk about this, but at the end, then I wasn't sure if part of the setup was having the witness there or not. Um, I assumed that it was since he was related to the guy who was killed, um, even though he was warrior cast, and I assumed the witness was religious cast since he was in the same whatever that Lanier is. So maybe you all can shed light on that. Okay, the third uh, uh, third interesting story, or at least scene, was Kosh and the one moment of perfect beauty. Um, really interesting. We have, again, the theme of music and song with Kosh, um, but we don't find out who the singers are. How are they related to the Vorlons? What do you guys think? Um, I also noticed that Kosh seemed to be moving his head in time to the music when you saw him from the hall, which was pretty cool. Um, did Kosh bring Sheridan out there to help him? Uh, maybe calm his mind? Is he, like, looking out for Sheridan? Um, I loved the lighting and the setting there. It, it was really just beautiful. Um, and Carl noticed that, uh, that Sheridan gave a symbol of power, uh, for payment for it. Um, and then afterwards, when Ivana is asking him about the lesson, and he answered, some obscure quote that I'm sure you all will quote. Carl immediately said, "Up, oh, yep, what he learned is now that he sounds just like Kosh. And Carl said it right before Ivanova did, so it was pretty funny. Um, okay, last story. Veer. Oh, poor Veer. I hated seeing him look so sad. And um, it was pretty funny that uh, two drinks was his limit. Um, and Carl had immediately thought that uh, what he had heard in the message was that he was going to have to leave the station because he made that other interesting quote that I'm sure someone will get. Um, at any rate, it was great seeing Londo so happy. It seemed like it just made him so happy to finally be able to do something good, even if it was just keeping Veer at the station. So I thought that was a really uh, good progression of Veer and Londo's character. Uh, so, quote... Uh, that never fear answers, only fear running out of questions. That Ivanova said that someone said it wasn't Sheridan. Carl thinks it was Sinclair. Can someone help us out with that? Also, the um, quote by the 
um, witness who said, I answer to other Mimbari, not freaks, which was really pretty horrible to Delin. Um, but I really liked how professional and reserved she was, even in the face of being um, treated so badly. So our ratings, Carl's ratings are Alien, of course, Kosh, um, Human, the Thief, who looked like an alien, um, and Carl is changing his rating scale. Um, now zero means par, an average episode, and then there's positive and negative numbers. So for this week, it was a one, particularly for the teddy bear scene. So it was one very cute, unidentified flying objects. And I'm giving it, uh, I think, I think to Londo, cause it was so good seeing him happy again. Human, um... I guess Ivanova, again, for doing the impossible and shutting down the store. And um, I'm giving it 7.5 out of 10 uh, incorrect Londo dolls. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Bye. Hey, thanks. Uh, thank you, Lori. Yeah, thanks, Lori. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have time limits like some other podcasts. Not yet. <laughs> Unless we get swamped by feedback. I no kidding. We need if, them. If we start getting, uh, you know, voicemails that are five minutes each and get ten of them, then we might have an issue. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Carl, I don't know if there is um, Kosh toys out there, but I still like my idea of a Kosh plushie that spouts enigmatic nonsense at you. Yeah, who did say the quote that Ivanova... I don't remember. I don't know if it was Sinclair or not. I thought it was just someone... Or either she made it up yeah, or someone she served under before. She might let us know but, later on. <laughs> <laughs> and the people in the down below, I don't know. I thought they were a different race. I know there was a question that was brought up, like, what if those people weren't even there? But I don't know the answer to that. Mm. Maybe Kosh was in his head again. Maybe. All right. Thanks for the feedback, everybody. If you want to send us feedback in any form, email or MP3 or WAV file, whatever, send it to mail at downbelowpodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment on our website or on Facebook, and you can also leave us an iTunes review. So now let's do some predictions. The name of the next episode is... And now for a word. Any guesses about what that could be about, Heidi? now for a word? Like, and now for a word from our sponsors. Um, maybe it's about the ISN reporters... No. Uh, <laughs> hmm. That's really the only thing that comes to mind. Um, we've already had a little peek into that. Maybe we get another reporter coming onto the station. You know, Sinclair wasn't fond of them, but maybe Sheridan likes the PR. I don't know. Um, and maybe I'm just like hearing that in my head, and that's not where it's going at all. But that's uh, really the only thing that I can come up with from that. So let's see some overall predictions. What this episode gave me is that we're definitely going to see more 
weird training with Kosh, which is good because um, it's entertaining and it's really weird. Um, and I'd like to know exactly what's what is being learned and what the training is for. So I hope we see more of that. Um, I hope that we see Veer getting more, let's see, not necessarily more screen time, but more of an influential role. Maybe Londo will start listening to him more because, let's face it, Veer is very wise in his own way and is kind of like Londo's shoulder angel, where Londo is his own shoulder devil and <laughs> tells himself to do bad things. So, um, so yeah, I'm hoping that this storyline kind of opens that up a little bit more for Veer. And I know we'll see more of this Mimbari stuff, but I'm really not sure where it's going or if this was just kind of a one-time thing. We've seen that you know, more of that they're not happy with Delenn and that she's being told what to do now. It doesn't have the influence, which was good. We've seen a little bit more of that. We saw a little bit of that before this, but this was more of it. So I think that's really all I've got for overall predictions. It didn't give me a whole lot, I don't think, to pick from here. Ah, cool. Yeah, as you said last time, it's always difficult when you're alone. It is. It's much easier to bounce ideas off someone. Our guest will be Shane from the In the Village podcast. Mm. All right. Well, Anka, thank you for coming on this week. It was great having you with us. Oh, it definitely was. Yeah, thank you. Hey, you have to sign up for season three. Now now, now that you've been here, (laughs) you have to come back. Yeah, it won't be too long before those seats go up. Right? right. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Definitely. Since it, no, I said since it's also the first season I watched. Actually, <laughs> I started at the end of season three. So, oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anywhere we can find you out on the internet? I'm on. Uh, I'm on Facebook and uh, the Facebook group as well. I'm on Twitter, following you. <laughs> so if anybody yeah. was to search for me, um, and no else really uh as i said i'm really a newbie to podcasting um i'm enjoying it a lot and i'm sitting on the bus all day long and watch, uh, listening to you guys and basically laughing at all kinds of people <laughs> that don't know what i'm doing there <laughs> yeah, that's a fun re- thing with podcasts right exactly normal people listen yeah. to music <laughs> no i'm listening to to you guys whenever i can get that and um, yeah it's a lot of fun yeah yeah, I do that at work all day. I'm laughing and people are like... What's going on? Oh, people, th- Yeah, people think I'm laughing about work, but I'm like, no, it's not work. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I was All right. Well, that is all we have for you this week, folks. We'll be back next time with And Now For A Word. And until then, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast. <laughs>